What is the story behind the Chabad Machzer? In the first part of today's lesson, we find ourselves comparing two sacred Machzerim. We have on the one hand the current Chabad Machzer open before us, focusing on the Shachris of Rosh Hashanah. At the same time, we are also looking at images of an Ashkenazi Machzer dating back to the 1200s. Our purpose? To discern the commonalities and distinctions between them. Once we have this understanding, we will embark on the path of tracing how we got from there to here. We uncover that there were diverse perspectives within the Chabad community concerning the role of the piyutim during the 19th century. And ultimately, the transformative moment in this story is the official publication of the Lubavitch Machzer, which happened in the year 1941. Please note, as I gave this class, I sometimes struggle to say the words Yaresi Biftsoisi properly, so I apologize for that. If you'd like to see the images of the medieval machzer, there is a link in the show's notes. I'm looking now at the Rosh Hashanah machzer. Our focus is going to be just... Shachris of Rosh Hashanah, and I want to begin with a question. It's a question that I've actually had for a long time, but the answer is a very simple answer, as we're going to soon see. And that is, we all know that the davening on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, whether it's uh, Shachris, whether it's uh, Musaf, whether it's Mincha, most of these tefillis are laced with extra material, known as piyutim, pieces of liturgical poetry. And I understand, I understand the piyut. Someone writes a composition, we'll talk about who later on. Someone writes a composition, they feel really good about it, they conveyed a point, they conveyed an idea, it's an artistic piece. I'm used to that. What's interesting about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is the number of one-liners that are lacing the, the tefillis. So in other words, if, if Shachat Rosh Hashanah, the Chazar Sashats begins with a paragraph, okay, someone wrote a piyot. The next paragraph also, it's a full paragraph. But what happens is, all of a sudden, we get bombarded with a whole bunch of one-liners. So for example, on page 112 of the machzer that I'm using, which is the new edition of the Kahas machzer, you have a line of na levadin, one line. What, what goes into the, uh, the background of an individual who sits down and says, I'm writing a composition of one line? Likewise, on the next page, on page 113, after we say, we have one line, Melech El That's the second one. There are more examples. The top of page 114, All of a sudden, we have two random lines. These are Taka Psukim. But what are these random Psukim doing uh, over here? I got that. That's a song. That's a piyot. That makes sense to me. These one liners are bizarre. You go down further in the page. There's a one-liner, another one-liner, another one-liner. Further down on the page, another one. This is a constant theme in the davening of Rosh Hashanah and the davening of Yom Kippur. And uh, it's obviously bizarre. And as I said before, the answer is rather simple. But Dafka, by exploring and learning about the history and the evolution of the Machser that we have, the Chabad Machser, and understanding where it came from, 
and we are this, uh, then we'll have a better understanding of why it is in this particular way and we'll have an answer to this uh, question. All right, so <clears throat> we're going to begin our story tonight by talking about the following uh, individual. His name is Arch Archbishop William Loud, who lived between the years 1573 and 1645. He was obviously an important person in English history, and um, his end wasn't too glorious. He was actually uh, beheaded on charges of treason in the year 1645. But uh, before that happened, he was a collector of important books and manuscripts, including Judaic, Judaica. And uh, in Germany at the time, in the 1600s, there was something called the Thirty Years' War. And anytime there's war, there's chaos. Chaos spells opportunity for some. And the result was that a number of important manuscripts that were in different places in Germany uh, ended up in his collection during this time. It's not entirely clear uh, how. We're going to be looking today at one particular manuscript from uh, this collection, which eventually made its way to the Bodleian Library in Oxford. It's known as the MS Loud 321, and we're just going to refer to it tonight, whenever we're referring to it, we're just going to say Manuscript 321. It was composed, meaning it was written around some time, around the year 1270, and that's assessed by the parchment, by the calligraphy, by the writing style, etc. And the Nusach is Nusach Ashkenaz. Now when it comes to Nusach Ashkenaz, generally speaking, there are three classes within Nusach Ashkenaz. This may become important later. Although it's just one thing, Ashkenaz, there are actually variations between Jews in France, Jews in Germany, and Germany itself, Western Germany on the Rhineland, and then further east in Eastern Germany. So this uh, Machser is going to reflect the Western Ashkenazi uh, Nusach. And what we're going to do is we're going to use this Machser, Machser 321, we're going to use it as our base. Because it really is the base of our Machser. Our Machser that we're holding here today in our hands is the progeny of this Machser, just with many different changes and variations as we are going to see. And so we'll learn a lot by comparing what we have today to what we're going to have in this particular manuscript. This is going to sharpen so much about what's going on in our machzer. So that's pretty much what we are going to do. The first part of today's year is just to compare what do we have compared to this 13th century manuscript. So let's open up to the Tfilis of Rosh Hashanah. And we open up here and we notice right away an initial word where it says in fancy gold letters, Melech. And uh, on the side, there is some imagery. Our focus tonight is not going to be imagery, but we'll just move this out of the way. We'll allow us to see what this is and talk about it for 20 seconds, and then we'll focus on the liturgy itself. So this is the opening page of the Rosh Hashanah Davening, so it's not surprisingly that there is an artistic piece. And what we have on the right-hand side of the word Melech is an angel, indicated by the wings, holding a scale which makes a lot of sense because Rosh Hashanah is Yom Hadin, and that's an image of, are you going to have more schosim? Are you going to have more the opposite of schosim? And the angel is depicted with an animal face. This is something that we're all used to already in, in these four, uh, in these uh, Dalar Amis. We've discussed this many times, and we're not going to review that subject again or why that was so. Suffice it to say that during the 13th century in Ashkenaz, this is a very common way for how to depict faces. 
And on the left-hand side, there is someone sitting, again an angel, as indicated by the wings, and it appears that he's holding one pen in each hand, which is the idea of Yom Adin, again, writing down and signing in the Book of Life, uh, is probably what is being conveyed over here. Okay, so that's in terms of the image, and now let's go back to the liturgy, and uh, what are we looking at uh, over here? So, what we're looking at over here is what's known as a yoitzer. And that is, we say in Shachris, the first bracha of Birchas Krishma, we say yoitzer eiru verecheshech, eiser shalmo veres hakoil. And in the weekday, we say hamer l'aretz. On Shabbos, we say hakol yoducha. In other words, Shabbos, we have something special there that's not part of the weekday davening. So just like Shabbos, you have something, something special. Wouldn't it make sense that on a special Shabbos or on a Yom Tif, you should have a special tefillah known as a Yoytzer that is there instead of the Hamer Laaretz. And that was Taka, the old minig in Ashkenaz. Not only Rosh Hashanah, and not only Yom Kippur, but not only Shal Shregalim, but also on the Shabbos of Dalet Parshis and many other weeks as well. So that's what we're looking at here. They would say, And right after that bracha, instead of saying, They would say this piyot that is known as Melech. Obviously, in our machser, this doesn't exist. On the left-hand side of the page, you'll see a circle... I circled it with a red uh, circle. It says oifon. And that word oifon is telling you that this is the second part of this series. In other words, the first part, melech, is said by the words yeitzer oir uveidich But then further on, when you say kaddish, 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 Hashem tzvakais, So this is, the next word is vaifanim. So you stop right there. And then you say this piyot over here that's called kvoidoi. There was usually three piyotim in this series. The third one would be called the zulas. And that would be, be said when you say, uh, which in the minute of Ashkenaz, they didn't have the word salah, just said, so then they would say the third piyot over there. For various reasons, we do not have that in these machzorim. Uh, we only have a piyot for yoitzer, and we have a piyot for oifen. We do not have a piyot for Zula, so the Shonim discussed it, but I don't want to get into, uh, I don't want to get into that right now. And again, obviously these two piyotim are not part of our davening. We say the regular material that we say on a regular weekday or on a regular Shabbos if Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos. We turn to the very next page in this machzer, and the top few lines is the conclusion of that oifen, and then we have big words that says os chil, and um, you'll see that uh, on the left-hand side, it says uh, Kedushta. And Kedushta is uh, the name of this piyot that is beginning. So what's happening here? Uh, we're about to begin Chazar Hashats. In other words, this master is not, continue, is not containing the everyday liturgy. He assumes that you're using the Siddur for that. Now that you, you, you use your Siddur, you said the Shtila Shemina Esrei, which included also the special tefillah that you say for Rosh Hashanah, which is also part of the Siddur. That's not what the Machser is for, at least not this Machser. Now you come to Chazar Hashats. When you come to Chazar Hashats, we're going to do something special. And this something special we call a Kedushta, because all these piyotam are about leading into and deepening the experience and enriching the Kedusha that we are going to say. So how does the Kedushta begin over here? It begins with Aschil. Now if you look in our Machzer, we have material before Aschil. On the left-hand side of the page, you take a see there's Aschil on page 111 in the Machzer. You take a see that there's Aschil. So that is a good match, but we have additional material uh, over here. First we have Misoid Chachamim, and then we have Yoresi B'tzvoisi. 
Now you'll notice if you look at this manuscript, you'll see that that material, you probably can't read it from where you're sitting, but that material of Misait Chachamim and Yoresi Bitzvaisi is written into the margin of the text. In other words, it wasn't part of the original Nusach over here, but already at an early date, remember this manuscript moved from Germany to England sometime in the 1600s, so definitely before then, though I don't know if anyone can pinpoint exactly and say when this happened, where someone came and said, hey, there's additional material over here that needs to be here. We need to put in Misait Chachamim, and we need to put in Yoresi Bitzvaisi, and indeed they did. The question is going to be why originally was Yoresi Bitzvaisi not there? And uh, that's something that we are, uh, that we're going to return to uh, later. So let's talk for a minute about what is Misoit Chachamim and what is Yoresi Bitzvaisi. All these have names. And that's because there's a structure, there's a logic to what's happening over here. And the name is Rishus. And there's two types of Rishus. The first type of Rishus is Misoit Chachamim Unavoinim. And this is basically saying, you know why it's a good idea for me to add piyutim into the davening? Because I'm not making this up on my own. I'm getting it from somewhere. It's misayit chachamim unavoinim. This is coming from, it's based on mamare chazal. It's based on the teachings of the chachamim and avoinim. And so therefore, don't look at me crazy that I'm adding piyutim into my davening. It makes a lot of sense that I should do it. So in other words, it's a rishus. It's a justification for all these additions. That's the misayit chachamim unavoinim. What's the yoresi bitzvoisi? The yoresi bitzvoisi is a different type of rishus. Here, it's more the chazan speaking, and the chazan is saying, listen here, you may look at me and say, who am I to represent the Kehillah? I'm not good enough. So you're right, I'm talking not good enough, but I'm still asking the Abishter that he should give me the words that I should be able to do this right. Uh, the more uh, famous iteration of this is when we say Hinani. But Hinani is actually a much later tefillah. It's not found in any of the medieval manuscripts. It seems to appear sometime in the 16th century. The original Hinani is this Yoresi Bitzvoisi uh, and other piyotim like it that are said here in Shachris. So again, Misayit Chachamim Unavoinim is more the Rishos on the material that I'm doing is good material. The Yoresi Bitzvoisi is more the Rishos on God is going to help me, so even if I'm deficient in one way or another, I could still do this. And this is the Rishus. In this manuscript, none of these are here, which meant that these L'choyra were not being said at a certain point. But there were other traditions in Ashkenaz that did have it, and it made it in here. And I'm holding it as a question for why wasn't there originally, why didn't it make it in later? Yoresi B'tzvoysi begins with a Yud, and that's because it spells out a person's name. I'm not sure why the, the, this Kosmachser and most Kosmachserim do not give you the names of the, of the piyot. Uh, in other words, you're able to see. It spells the name Yukusil. There's a man, Yukusil. He lived in the 11th century. He's the one who wrote this particular piyot. And the fact that he wrote it is going to be the reason why it's not here, as we're going to see, uh, as we're gonna see uh, later on. So let's hold on to that. Once we finish with the Rishus, now our Machser and Machser 321 were on the same page. Because we're holding now Aschil. So what is Aschil? So Aschil is very simple what's happening here. What's happening here is, we're saying a bracha. Baruch Hashem Avram. It began with Baruch Hashem And it's ending with Magen Avram. We need to add some flowering into this tefillah. We need to add some, some, some haisafa into this. Misayit Chacham and Yoresi didn't add anything. All of that is the Rishos. We didn't do anything yet. Now we're really going to do something. What are we going to do? We're going to add content that is going to be somewhat related to this first bracha as we're going to see. That's what Aschil is. We have it here and we have it over here as well. However, there is a difference. Our paragraph ends with the word Nifkada, which you have over here in the screen as well. But you're able to see on the right-hand side of the page that after we say, what happens is you have over here, psukim, psukim. 
which we do not have in our Machzer. It says Kakosov, and it brings a Pasuk Vashem, Pakar Asara Kasher Omar, which is the Kriyas HaToyra of the first day of uh, Rosh Hashanah. And then it brings another few Psukim, which ending with the word Nala. And then you go Nala Badin. And then you say Nala Badin, which we have over here. In other words, what's happening over here? We have this uh, Piyot, which we're adding into the Bracha of Magan Avram. There was once a time... There was once a time that we had uh, there was once a time that we had psukim there for reasons that we're not going to explore. Those psukim got lost, and I want to highlight to you just how important these psukim really are to the original format of this piyut. Because when you're adding material into a bracha, it needs to be me'ain the bracha. So where do you have in this entire? And we're obviously not going to read it together right now. But where do you have the relationship to Magan Avram in this particular bracha? So the answer is you get it in Nalavadin. Nalavadin you'll notice it says the last four words are b'maginas reyim. Maginas reyim, that's magen avram. Okay, this is the shield. So this is the link to the bracha. That's what makes this whole piyot me'en ha-bracha. Now what we want is we want the whole thing to be linked to the bracha. So how does that happen? Well, the nala over here is linked to the last pasuk in the series ended with the words ma'oid nala. And then you had a whole series of psukim and here, the last word of the earlier part of the period was Nifkada. So Nifkada led you into Vashem Pakad, and then it led you into a series of Psukim, all that are connected with each other, that led you into the last word Nala, which brought you into the word Nala Bedin, which ends with Bimogin Asreim. Ah, that's Mogan Avram. So now I could say, Barakat Hashem, Mogan Avram. This is the original the way it was in all of these medieval machzorim. As I said, for reasons that are, aren't quite clear, the psukim came out. And so what happens is we end up having this two-liner over here. This two-liner is not a two-liner. This two-liner is the seum of the original piyot. And that's the big theme that you're going to see in this shir tonight, is that almost always when you have one or two lines, it is a part of a much bigger piyot, uh, sometimes in which we're not saying uh, the whole thing, which is usually what's happening, and that's what's happening here, uh, 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 that, that, that's what's happening here as well. So that is the bracha that is being added, once again, that's the bracha, that is the material that we're adding for the first one, for the magain, for the bracha of Magan Avram. Yeah? Yes, very good. So thank you for pointing that out. Yoresi bif tsoisi, I hope I said that right. Yaresi Biftsoisi is uh, uh, the whole, the last word is Oschil, which makes it work with the first word of the Mugain, which is Oschil, and that's exactly what happened, is that, as we're gonna, I'm going to explain later, it's a, Yaresi Biftsoisi is a late addition, relatively speaking, into the Maxar, and when it gets added, it needs to work, it needs to fit uh, one Kind of the ending of one thing needs to lead you into another thing, and that's very common uh, for the machzer, and we're going to see that pattern again and again. Okay, so thank you for pointing that out. Now, let's go back to our machzer over here, up on the screen, and after we go, Baruch HaTashem, Magen Avram, we're ready to begin the second bracha of Shemayin Esrei, which is Ata Gibar L'Oilam Hashem. And in this machzer, we immediately see there's a piyot that begins with the word Ta'alas. Ta'alas. That piyot that begins with the word talas, we do not have that piyot. And this piyot works the same way. This works the same way. It's called the mechaya, because it's part of the bracha mechaya mesim. The first one is a magain. This is a mechaya. It's part of the mechaya mesim. It works the same way. You have a piyot 
You have psukim, and then you have the final two lines. But the key words are betalalei sechi. Betalalei sechi is the key because what's betalalei sechi? Mechaya So that's the same link. And then you notice how the exact same thing happens. You have, you have a peel. Let me take, a, let me take one, one more moment to make something clear. This one begins with a tough. The earlier one, Aschil, begins with an Aleph. This runs through all the Aleph beds. It begins with an Aleph and it ends with Tuf. Okay? Which is a very standard way that a piyot would work as it covers all the Aleph beds. After he finishes the Aleph beds, he does the Psukim. After he does the Psukim, he has his two lines, including the catch, the link to the Bracha Magan Avram. Now we're in the second Bracha. What happens? I did Aleph through Tuf. Now I'm doing Tuf through Aleph. So we begin with Talif, Tuf. We end with Aleph. Now I have my series of psukim, and it's the same linkage. The last word in the, in the Aleph is Netra, and that links to the Pasuk Vayetar Yitzchak, which is about, also about having children, which is the theme of today's Kriya. But if the first one was about Sarah, the second one is going to be about Rivka and Yitzchak. And then we have a series of psukim, ending with the word Leven Melech, which leads us to the first word of the last two lines, Melech, and it ends with the words, Besalalei Sechi, Bechastoi Es Ba'era. Okay, here it's a little bit of a different girsa, but on the left-hand side, this is exactly what we have in our Machzer as well. This is the structure of the second piyot, the Mechaya. What is left for us? What is left for us is only those last two lines. And here, we didn't only lose the Psukim, we, learned the, we lost the original piyot that began with Tuf and ended with Aleph, we lost that as well. Then we say, uh, and we say, and with that we finish the second bracha of Shemayna Esrei. Okay, so now we're holding the third bracha, this is Atta Kaddish. So we need to have a piyot for Atta Kaddish. And guess what? We have the exact same series for a third time. And here, the way it's going to work, he already did Aleph through Tav. He already did Tav through Aleph. So what's he going to do now? He's going to do At Bash. An Aleph, and then a Tav, and then a Beis, and then a Shin. That's the series of the next Piyut, which is called Evan Chug. Do we have Evan Chug in our Machser? No, Evan Chug is not there in our Machser. And it concludes Evan Chug in the same way, where you have the Piyut. When it finishes the At Bash, we have a listing of the Psukim. And guess what? What is the last Pasuk in the series? V'nemar? Two Psukim from Tehillim. And those are the two Psukim that we have on the top of page 114 of your Machser. So the same thing happened where we just, we held on to a small piece of this. But here it's from the series of the actual Psukim itself. It's not an additional two lines after. It's uh, from the from the, the, the two, it's from the, from the two final psukim. I should point out that whenever there's a series of psukim, it's always a mix of teir and avim and ksuvim, similar to what we do in Machis, Echrenis, and Shoifreis, and or like Avarachmim on Shabbos, this is a standard thing. If you'll notice, when we have the psukim at the end of Avarachmim, it says, as it says in Torah, and as it says in Nevi'im, Amar. So this is a way, when you really want to prove a point, you need to show it in Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim, and that's what ha- what's happening in each of these things. Where's the Pasuk, Yilun HaChashan Lo'olam, in Ksuvim? Where's the Pasuk, in Tilim? Where's the Pasuk, Va'at HaKadosh Yisrael, Yisrael, is in Ksuvim, in Tilim, and so therefore, uh, that's the structure, and that's what we have over here with the Yimloich as well. 
Okay, now remember, this was all about leading us into Kedusha. And now is the time to say Kedusha. Kedusha is said, before you say Atta Kadesh, that's when we say Kedusha. So therefore, if this was all about leading into it, we're not just going to suffice here with one peel. Now we're going to get, really get our engines revved up, and we're going to start doing more and more and more. And so in our master we have an Atahuele Kenu piyot. That piyot is not present in this, uh, this uh, master. It did exist in other, other manuscripts and other traditions in Ashkenaz, but we're not going to spend uh, too much time on that. What is the next item that we have in this master over here? The next item that we have in this master over here is Toer Visaria, which on the right-hand side of the page, right in the middle, you can see the word Toer Visaria, you have it over there. However, what you're going to notice is that it's one line, it says Torah Visaria, and right under that there's a piyot. The piyot is called Ateres Mamlacha. And what is the chorus for that piyot? Torah Visaria. Torah Visaria is the chorus for that piyot. That entire piyot we do not have. All we have is the words Torah Visaria Lahachnes Komeria Vesuktash Piyede Learia Kadosh. I asked before, what's this one-liner? The answer is, this one-liner is one line from a much longer piyot. It is the chorus of this piyot that is called Aderes Mamlocha. Uh, uh, the next thing that we have uh, uh, in this machzer, under that, after that piyot, Aderes Mamlocha, is, um, is presented, after that piyot is presented. The, uh, by the way, the name of the, of the python is presented in this piyot for the first time. In other words, he gave you his first one, he gave you Aleph Beis, the second one he gave you a tash, Tashrak, going backwards, then he gave you an Atbash. Okay, now that I did three, now that I did three rodeos with you, now I'm gonna tell you who I am. And he, uh, in this, uh, this piyot, spelled out in an acrostic is the name El Elazar Hakolir. We'll talk more about who Elazar Akalir was. Uh, if we have time, now we're Ba'ez Hashem, we'll have time. We'll talk about him more uh, later on. What's the next item in this master? The next item in this master is two lines on the bottom of the page. Melech memalit meira l'yedes ruah hakeel kadosh. Melech zecher achuz keren noira v'kadosh. Those two lines. Those two lines are not randomly placed here. They are the chorus of the next piyot that you have on the top left, where it says, Apid Nezer Oyoim Bishilush Kedusha Bayom. You're able to see we're actually talking now about Kedusha because we're getting closer to Kedusha. And then at the end of each line, it says, after the first one you say Melech Mamalit, after the second one you, mele, you say Melech Zechayr. And likewise for each one of these, these two lines are the chorus for these piyotim. If you look in our Machser, you'll see that after Torah Vesirea we have Melech Mamalit, and after Melech Mamalit we have Melech Zechayr. All three of these lines are choruses for other piyotim, Torah Vesirea for one, Melech Mamalit and Melech Zechayr for the second one, that is Apid. Then in our machzer we have a chain v'Hashem pakad asara kasher Omar tzetzoel came pekayid letoiv hayayim kadosh. One line, you already know the trick. This one line is not one line. This one line is the chorus of a piyot. It's not uh, presented here in this machzer, but it is presented elsewhere in other manuscripts. But you're going to trust me that it is a complete. Uh, it is a complete piyot. This is the theme. Remember, this is not the kriya of the first. Novashem uh, Pakarasar uh, is the kriya of the first day. But so it is for the first day of Yom Tif, But it is a piyot that it was not said in this particular uh, tradition, and uh, and so that's why it's not over here. Okay. Now what happens is in our machzer. What do we have next? Shmoy Mefarim. 
Shmoy Mefarim in this machzor also does not appear here. And once we learn more about it, it's going to become so obvious to you. You're going to say, oh, duh, obviously Shmoy Mefarim doesn't belong on the first day. It only belongs on the second day. So how that transferred, we'll talk about that later. But that's why the whole long peel to Shmoy Mefarim we do not have. So that takes you on page 115, 116, 117. Uh, all of that is all part of the long peel to Shmoy Mefarim. So what is the next thing that we have? Yishbay Tevel Betzadek Kolumim, two one-liners. That also is going to be in this master, but not on the first day. It's part of the second day. So we're going to skip that. We'll come back to that later. Which brings us now to Adirei Ayuma, which is exactly what we have over here on the screen. We have the piyot of Adirei Ayuma, Yadiru Vekoil. So let's now continue. We'll focus on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. After Adirei Ayuma on this particular master, what do we have? We have the Kel Oirech Din. And that's exactly what we have in our machzer as well. But after we say lekel oirech din, we go right to the line of v'chein l'chasa now we're done. We said enough, we're happy, we go and we say, okay, now we can finally say uh, our kedusha. Well, that's not what happens here. Here you can tell something's happening because we have art here. And the word melech is highlighted. And this makes sense. Remember, this is all about the build-up to kedusha. So this now, this last thing, this is the most important thing, and in fact, it's the longest piyot. And it begins with the word melech b'mishpat, um, and uh, it goes on, look, for a nice two pages, one, two pages, two and a half pages, and basically, this is, to sum it up in a, in a briefly, this is, instead of saying nakdishach v'naritzach in two lines, this is two pages that essentially says nakdishach v'naritzach, and it, you, when you finally finish this, you say, and now you can continue with the rest of Kedusha. So this is one long paragraph of Nakdishach. This was the main thing. That's why we all came here, was to do this, to get to this. This is the pinnacle. This is the main one. That's why it's the longest. That's why it's the artwork. And our master, we do not have it. Um, there is a line added in here later that says, And that we do have. We have that one line, and that brings us into Nakdishach and Aritzach, and um, that is a summary of what happens on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, uh, the difference between the way it is in our Machser and the way it is in their Machser. Uh, so it starts out with the score being like we have more, because at least in the original form of this Machser, Yoresi Bif Tsoisi and Misoid Chachamim is not in this original uh, manuscript. So in that way, we have more. But, and, then, and then what happens is, for the first piyot, the Mogain piyot, we basically have the same thing, except we're missing the psukim. All right, not too bad. But then as the story starts to unfold, it becomes more and more aggressive where we start shedding and we start losing, we start losing, and suddenly there's these full pages that we don't have, and all of these one-liners that we say in our machzer are the small remnants and the echoes of these larger piyotim that were once there. It's almost as if someone said, well, we're not going to say this whole thing, but at least we should say the most important part, or at least we should say the most memorable part. What's the most memorable part of a song? The chorus, right? So if something needs to go, let it be the other material, let the chorus stay. That's what it kind of seems like happening. This is the first day of Rosh Hashanah. If you don't mind, let's do the same thing for the second day of Rosh Hashanah. So you need to turn back because the second day is, is, uh, is, uh, also begins on the same, on page 110. And let's see what we have over here in the second day. So now the second day, the artist here wants to let you know, second day deserves artwork, so it's going to have its melech. You already know what that is. That's going to be the yoitzer. Okay, but first let's look at the image. The image is the Akedas Yitzchak. That is the Kri of the second day of Rosh Hashanah. 
And so on the left-hand side, you have the Ayil, that is Nechaz, Basvach, Pekarnov. On the right-hand side, you have Avramavinu, yes, an animal face, attempting to slaughter and uh, to do the Akedah. And there's the Malach coming out of the Shemayim that is pointing to the Ayil, that is Nechaz, Basvach. Okay, so that's the imagery for the beginning of the second day. What is the, peel? What is the material here that we're looking at? I circle the word Yitzer. In other words, this is the, the insert for Yitzer, Eruvah, Okay, so we already know we don't say that. Then we go to the next page. We see over here that it says, what, where is the oifin? The oifin, the second one. Remember, Zulas, the third one, they also didn't have. But oifin, he says, the oifin is the same one as yesterday. So I don't have to rewrite it. That's what he writes over here. And now we come to Kedushta. Kedushta, you already know what that means. These are going to be the piyutim that we put into the first three brachas of Chazar Hashats, building up to Kedusha. Here, although we have Rishos, the second day, we have it as shos. And, that, and it's not added in in the margin. It's part of the body of this machzer. And this is going to heighten the question I asked before. How come Yeresi, where is that paper? Yeresi Biftsoisi. How come Yeresi Biftsoisi is not part of, uh, of uh, the original text? But here, the second day's Rishos is, Asisi L'chananach is the same function as the Yeresi Biftsoisi. It's the idea, I'm the Chazen, am I good, am I not good, I'm not sure, God you're going to strengthen me, you're going to make me do this right. So we have the Rishos of the Chazen on the second day, but for whatever reason didn't have it on the first day, we're going to circle back to that and make that clearer as we uh, go along. Again, Misoit Chachamim is not present over here because this master never has Misoit Chachamim, but again, other versions in Ashkenaz uh, did have it uh, at the time. So, so far we, we start off pretty well because now we're pretty much in the same boat. We both have a CC what comes next in this machzer after Asisi Lechananach, after the Rishos is finished, we move to the Magen. The Magen is the piot that's central to the story of Magen Avram. It begins with the words Imrascha Tserufa, and indeed we have Imrascha Tserufa. If you're looking on page 111, two lines on the bottom in the Kahas Machzer, you'll see you have over there Imraschat Tserufa, this is the Magen. But then, you already know what's going to happen, because the exact same thing that happened yesterday, happens today. The last word, the Imraschat Tserufa, by the way, it goes in Aleph Beis, the Seder of Aleph Beis. And what's the last word when you get to Tav? Is Pakad. And what's going to be then? What are we going to have? A series of psukim. What's the psukim? Vashem pakad. So they, they link with each other. We have a series of psukim. What's the last word of the series of psukim? Lachoisim boy. And then that leads you to the final two lines. Boy. Boy shu'ananu. And boy shu'ananu in the last few words has ken yagain, which is the theme of magain avram. So it's the exact same idea of building this train of one car leading to the next car to the next car, which justifies having this piyot, because it is, remember, this is important. If you're adding piyotim, there needs to be some connection to the bracha. Otherwise, there's no justification. Well, this is what happened over here. We have this material in total, except for those psukim, and that explains those random two lines over here, the boishu ananu. If you want to know what those words are, that's pretty much linking the entire piyot to the theme of Magen Avram, which justifies the existence of this piyot. And likewise, we're going to see the same thing uh, happen again. Now we finish Magen Avram, and we go to the bracha of Mechaya HaMesim, and so this piyot is going to be called Mechaya. It's called Tamim Pa'alach. On the left-hand side of the page, you see the piyot Tamim Pa'alach. Look by us. Look in our machzer. What do we have after Umatzmiach Yeshua? We have two lines, Svasenu. We have two lines. We have Svasenu. That's all we have. And... Um, 
and uh, it leads into a, uh, so in other words, same idea, we lost the entire piyot, we lost a series of psukim when it came to the second uh, one, and then we have, so saying, there is the ending right there, which ends with the words, Yikimenu v'nichya lefana, of which we have, that's Machaya Mason, that links up with Machaya Mason, and so, look, just like yesterday, we just preserved those last two words from the Machaya, that's all we kept. Now, before we continue, I just want to show you the following, and that is, um, there's going to be a pattern. The pattern is, everything in this piyot, in this second day, is going to be Shin Mem. I'm going to show you Shin Mems, that wherever you look, you're going to find Shin Mems. You're not going to be able to take your eyes away from Shin Mems. So what's happening in the very first piyot, which is the Rishos, after he finishes the Aleph base, he has the word Shlach Me'itcha. That's the theme of Shin Mem. I'm circling it over here. You're not going to have to find each one. You're just going to trust me. Likewise, in the next one, remember, the word Bai Shu'ananu, so by we needed by to link up to the Pasuk. So we can't count the word by. What's the very next word? Shu'ananu and mem. Shu'ananu me'olam. So we have a shin mem again. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, every single one of these works is going to have a shin mem as uh, we are going to see. If you go to the next one, look. What is the last two lines of the Mechaya? Svasenu medoivois. Svasenu is the shin. Medoivois is uh, the mem. Okay, now we finish Barakat HaShem Mason. Let's remember what happened yesterday. Yesterday at this point, there was a piyot, psukim, that ended with yimloich. Piyot, series of psukim, and yimloich. What did we have? Only, anyone remember what we have? Only yimloich. That's all we had. When it came, right? When it came to the third one, there was a piyot, psukim, ending in yimloich. All we had was yimloich. So here again, you have a piyot. It begins with shulach divamalachos. You already know. Shin. All right, there's a shin situation going on over there. Um, you have a piyot over here, clues with psukim, including yimlech Hashem le'olam. You would expect, what do we have based on yesterday? What should we have? Just yimlech. What happened? We have shulachti. Here, we have the very first stanza. It's like one line. What's this one line doing? We have the very first stanza of this longer piyot. Uh, here it was preserved. This had a, a higher survival rate than yesterday's uh, uh, piyotim that are in the exact same uh, location, right after Mechaya HaMesim. And, uh, and we have to wonder what happened over here. Uh, but you'll notice, I think the answer is, we opened the RN for this piyot. Now, whether they were opening the RN in those days or not is a separate discussion. But the fact is that for a very long time we've been opening the RN. It could be this was like a big highlight already. Uh, especially the words over here is a chazan talking and he's saying, I was sent. And Shema Hashem Koyliakra could be the words were powerful or because the minig to open the RN for this particular piyot made it kind of impossible to get rid of the whole thing and so we just did what we do when we you know in these situations instead of getting rid of the whole thing we just preserved a few lines from this but when you see this shulakti you need to remember this is from a much larger piyot and yes it's the shin that begins a pattern uh, that we have again and again on the second day of almost many things starting with shins and having mems uh, 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 shortly uh, after in other words shulakti is shin and the next paragraph is medaber bitstaka so that's the that's the mem. Of the shin? The significance of the shin, we're going to hold on to that. Keep you in suspense a little, if you don't mind. Okay, so then we get to the yim Hashem li'olam. And uh, now we start moving into the other piyotim. Here is where this machzor has shmoi mefarim, which we end up saying on both days. And now it's already worth pointing out, shmoi mefarim, this is, this is shin's galore. All right? Where, where do we see shmoi mefarim, right? You see? And likewise, all of these. 
Oli, Shmoy Mefarim, Shin Mem, Shemir Mitzvahs of Shin Mem, Shapram Asaychan, Shin Mem, each one of these. Now, this whole Shmoy Mefarim is the chorus for Eder Vahoid. And so here we have it on the second day, the whole Eder Vahoid, uh, which you see on your, in your Master on pages 115 through 117. Uh, so let's uh, blaze through that. Um, and then we finish Eder Vahoid. What do we have at the end? We have Yishpoi Tevel B'Tzedek Ulomi B'Meisharim Kadosh Vuh V'Echad Mi Yishivenu. What are those two lines? So we have that right. On, look, we have it for the first day on the top of page one eighteen. What is it doing in our Machzer? It's two random lines. What's it doing here? You already know the answer. It's the chorus for a piot that we don't say Etein L'Fayle Tzedek. And at the end of each line, it tells you Yishpoit V'Hu Yishpoit V'Hu. That is when we're so. So here we have the remnants of this piot for the first day. Uh, in this Machzer, the remnants of this piot is for the second day. Now, if you go under the line in our Machzer for the second day, at this point, instead of saying Yishpoit Tevel B'Tzedek, we say two other lines. What are the two other lines? Adam Imaisim Ein Banu and Hein Loyamim Biktoshav. You already know what this means. Here you have a piot. It says Adain and Hein Loi. There's a piot called Shafti Vira'oi. Yes, it begins with a shin. And these two lines, Adain and Hein Loi, which in our master is page 118 over here, uh, is the chorus of that particular piot. Again, rather than saying the piot, we just say, uh, we just say the chorus. And here, I just want to show you that even in this piot, Etein Lefoyalei Tzedek, after he finishes the Aleph base, he's doing shin. We're seeing the same shin work again uh, over here. All right. Shafti uh, Re'eh obviously is a shin. Okay. Um, once we finish that piyut, which we no longer say, so what do we have in our machzer? We have, Uvechein Vayivishur Melech, Melech And that's what we're going to have. And, and after Melech Elyon, if you turn forward in your machzer, after Melech Elyon, you turn to... Um, you have Melech, after that you have Koshin Ane Shachak. So that they have it the other way around. Here it's Koshin Ane Shachak first, and after that it's going to be Melech Elyon. So it's just switched order, we're not going to worry about that. Um, Koshin Ane Shachak, obviously, Shin, Shoichne, you can look in your own Machser. If you go to page uh, 121, Koshin Ane Shachak is Shin, Shin, Aleph. Mem, mem, aleph. Okay? So it's very clear this whole shin pattern is continuing. And the same is true in the next piyut, which by us is Amit Hamanusa. Go to the last uh, 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 paragraph. The last paragraph is a shin. Shoifet emes, ma'badav emes. Shoifet is a shin. Ma'badav is a mem. So the same exact pattern that is happening for the last paragraph of that. Okay? Uh, uh, that's what I wanted to show here. And then... Now we finish the piyutim. Remember what happened yesterday when you finish most of these. Now we say, We have that over here. But instead of saying Kedusha, remember we have that long Nakdishach. This was what we were waiting for. We wanted to get to this. We wanted to say Nakdishach now in the three lines. We wanted to say it in many, many, many lines. And so we have these two pages uh, over here, uh, which two pages four pages, and finally we conclude those pages saying and then we move into, into uh, Kedusha, and then we're done. He has nothing else to say over here. This is later. This is not, uh, this is Musaf. This has nothing to do with Shachras anymore. He's done. Okay? So, now we can take a step back and say, okay, what happened over here? What do we see happen over here? In a nutshell, I think it's fair to say that almost everything, maybe everything is represented in our Machser. 
Everything is a little bit of real estate in our Achser, but boy, someone did a, a job of cutting things down in a very significant, serious way. All of the one-liners and two-liners that we have are remnants of these piyutim, both from the first day and the second day. Um, and that's, uh, that's pretty much the summary of, uh, of, what we, uh, of what we have. And the question is going to be, the question, the question is going to be uh, how and why this happened. I'm not entirely sure we're going to answer these questions fully, but we're going to be able to understand, at least uh, appreciate uh, some of this uh, uh, partially. Yeah? Yeah, so this is, so if someone is following the pure Nusach Ashkenaz, it means they'll be doing a lot of this today. Now, one of the things I should point out is we're focused here on two things. Chabad versus the old Minig Ashkenaz in the 13th century that we see on this document. There are so many other Nuschois, and each one of them has their own variations, but we're not going to have the time or the ability to discuss what each one of them are doing. Okay, so we are going to try to understand how this happened, and I'm going to try to explain that to the best of my ability, but I just want to take note of the remaining questions that we had. One uh, odd question was the Rishos. The first day, no Rishos. Second day, yes Rishos. Why that inconsistency? And the second question, I want to take note of is all those Shin and Shin Mems that we spoke about for the second uh, day. We also mentioned the name Rabbi Lazar Kuller. We said we want to talk more about him, which we'll, uh, which we'll, get, to, which we'll get to soon. Okay, um, <clears throat> what we need to uh, uh, now uh, do is the following. Let's actually engage in some of this material, some, answering some of these questions right now. So turn to the handout. There's a passage in the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch that we need to summarize. It's Erechayim Simen Samaches as follows. I need to move through this material quickly so that we uh, cover, uh, we reach our goals. The Alter Rebbe here is discussing a machloikas amongst earlier Rishonim, whether it's a good idea to say piyutim in Krishma. And he says, some people say yes, some people say no. The minig in Russia, the Alter Rebbe says, is to say them, but he concludes this segment saying, You lose nothing by not saying the yoitzris. Okay. By the way, I should point out that if you look in our Chabad Machser, look at the top of any page that you're in right now, what does it say? Yoitzer leyoim alev shorashashon. This is the only remnant we have for the Yoitzers. Because what happened was, Yoitzer in a stricted sense means just the addition for the first bracha. If you want to expand it a little more, you could say Yoitzers means the whole series that you put in, the Yoitzer, the Oifen, and the Zulas, they could also be called Yoitzers. But eventually it became, because Yoitzer is the first one, it became normal for people to refer to Yoitzers as all of these additions, even those that we know are really called Kedushtas, they're also called Yoitzer. That's why it says on the top of your thing, Yoitzer really is supposed to say Kedushta, or whatever it is, but that's the, uh, the word. Um, so we don't have any of this. Uh, of in Berches Krishma, and notice the Alter Rebbe says in Shochan Aruch, the said, no big deal if you don't say it. He, he then, and then he talks about Yishman Esrei. And when he talks about the Piyutim Yishman Esrei, he does not add those words. He doesn't say, and the person who's Mekel and doesn't say. And in fact, when you read it, it basically sounds like, by Berches Krishma, it's debatable if this is a good idea or not. But in Shman Esra, it's not debatable, it's a good idea. What would be the difference between the two? Think about it. When you're davening on your own, in middle of Birchaz Krishma, you're in middle of davening, and I'll make a hefsek here. Chazar Sashat means, I finished Birchaz Krishma, I said Shman Esra, I did Oysa Shalom, I'm done. 
Now it's Chazar Sashat, Sachakol. Chazar Sashat, everyone was Yaisa Tvila. So the stakes are lower. Stakes are lower, so there's more room to get involved. So this may be an explanation of why it is that when it comes to the Kedushta, we have material. When it comes to Yaisa, we don't even have remnants. We don't have one lines. We don't even do that type of job. This may be the explanation based on this Altarev, the Shulchan Aruch of the Okay. Who was Rabbi Elazar Akalir? The Altarev brings in Shulchan Aruch in the same simon, in Simon Samaches, when he's trying to prop up, to, to build up the reputation of these piyotim, he says that Rabbi Elazar Akalir, number one, was from Eretz Yisro. Number two, he's from a town named Kirya Sefer, and the reason that would be known is because in one of his piyotim, he writes in the acrostic, the Kirya Sefer. The Alter Rebbe then gives a third detail about his life. He lived during the time when they did Kiddush HaChodesh Al How does Alter Rebbe know that they did Kiddush HaChodesh Al We'll come back to that uh, he says immediately. The reason is because, look, he did not make any kroivis for the second day. Kroivis is another term, can't get into it, but basically the piyotan that we say in Shemana Esra are sometimes called kroivis, sometimes called kroivits, but uh, we're going to ignore that uh, uh, for right now. So there is no Rabbi Lazar HaKaler piyotan for the second day of Yom Tev. Aha. Okay, where did Alter Rebbe get this material from? It comes from Tosis. Toysus Harash and Brachas, Aleph, says the same thing. Rabbi Lazar Kala was from Eretz Yisrael, number one. He's from Kirya Sefer. In his day, there were Makadish Tachaydish al Why? Because he didn't make any material for the second day. What does this mean? For Pesach, Sukkot, and Shavuos, you say, yeah, in Ochanami, uh, uh, even today they only observe one day. He said, they make an argument here. So the Neidah Behuda, the Tzlach, explains what's happening over here and says as follows. The way it worked in those days was, today is Lamadel. I'm living in Eretz Yisrael. Today is Lamadel, it's possible that if they, they have a sighting of the moon, it's possible that they're going to declare today the Rosh Chodesh. So what do I need to do today, Lamadel? I need to observe Rosh Hashanah. And so Yidin Taka observed Rosh Hashanah, and they prepared for Rosh Hashanah, and they wrote piyutim for that day of Rosh Hashanah, and they observed it. However, says the Tzlach, almost always that day, Edim Taka came and said, Today is Taka Reish which means that day was Taka the Vowel day of Rosh Hashanah. They sent Shluchim out, and if you live nearby, the Shluchim got to you that night or early the next morning, and they told you, Yes, it's been confirmed that yesterday it was Rosh Hashanah. So today, even though you woke up in the morning and you made your coffee in a way that's compatible with, uh, with your dinner on Yom Tov, guess what? It's not Yom Tov anymore because yesterday was the real day, and so you don't have to keep it anymore. And this was the Seder almost that almost, he brings sources that almost always. It was, uh, the Adam came on that day, which is why it was only uh, one day of Rosh Hashanah. Elazar Kala lived in Kirya Sefer. He argues Kirya Sefer is close enough for the Shluchim to have come. Elazar Kala got into this uh, uh, routine of where year after year is one day, one day, one day. And so when he wrote his piyotim, he only wrote piyotim for one day of Rosh Hashanah and didn't write anymore. If a person lived further away, then it's not a Pashtamaisa. Why? Because now what a person needs to do is they have to do the same thing the first day. Did the Shluchim come today? We don't know. Maybe they're com- they didn't come. So maybe today is Rosh Hashanah and they need to observe that second day of Rosh Hashanah and it's only going to be later that day or the, fi- the next day or even a few days later if they're going to find out if their second day of Rosh Hashanah was the Rosh Hashanah or not. So this is how he, he explains. He says, look, 
we, from the Elazar Akalir, only have for Rosh Hashanah one day of Piyotim. Because we only have one day of Piyotim, it must be he lived in the time when there were Makadosh HaKadosh Al-Piyariya using this type of system. So then, he, so if you stop there, then you would say, okay, so now we know Elazar Akalir lived. When, when they stopped doing Kiddush HaKadosh Al-Piyariya? Sometime in the 4th century. So that means he lives, he's living during that era. So that's an early, uh, that he's living early on. Then the Rosh continues and says, Yesh Oymerim, that he was a Tana. Some people say he was a Tana. And the Altar Rebbe brings that. The Altar Rebbe brings it in the same passage that some people say that he was a particular Tana and that it gets into a discussion about who this is. If it's a Tana, so Tanoim, Torah Yodanasi, it's essentially meaning that he lived in the second century. So that's what this, that's who this Rebbe Lazar Akalir would be. Now, if you stop there, you say, okay, it's an open and shut case that a Lazar Akalir is a Tana. Uh, but there were some daily Yisrael that questioned whether this is indeed the case. The Yaivitz in Moiruxia, Simin Kuf Yud Beis, says, I have a big problem with this. Why? Because for the Sukkis, we have Piyotim for two days. So this doesn't add up to say that he lived in the time. Uh, in fact, it doesn't add up that he's Bechlal and Eretz Yisrael. But that was the question that the Yaivitz asked. Then he said another thing. I found in some of the acrostics he's signing his name, Elazar ben Yaakov, and that doesn't add up. People who suggested he was a Tana said it's Elazar ben Shimon. But I see in the acrostic he's writing Elazar ben Yaakov, so that doesn't add up. So because of these problems, he says, you know something? I have a better idea. He says, it is a teaching from the Arizal, that he's a Gilgal of a Tana. So in other words, you have someone who lived in a later time and place, but his neshama was a neshama, the earlier person, and the chida and machzik bracha supports this and says, he says, look how strong Tysus is. Because Tysus says, look, it's Elazar Kaler is a Tana and is this and this Tana, and whether they realized or not, what they were essentially tapping into is a Torah of Gilgal, because although he lived later, he had that same neshama, so the chida is blown away by this idea. So if so, here we have two G'dayli Yisrael who weren't really married to this idea that uh, he was uh, a Tana and that he was living in that particular time. There's one other important source that I think is worth mentioning in this regard, and that is the Rebbe's grandfather's grandfather. And that is, the Rebbe's grandfather was Rebbe Meir Shlemi Anoski. His grandfather's name was Rebbe Avram David Lavut. He was a chassid of the Tzamaq Sadek and the Rebbe Marash, and then uh, also in the beginning of the Nesiyah, so the Rebbe Rashab as well. And he wrote a sefer on the Siddur that is known as Shara Koilo. And he has a discussion over there, the piyutim, is it good for the Jews, is it not good for the Jews? And he says, well, some people say, look, Allah Kaler is a Tana. He says, look, none of these piyutim are quoted in the Gemara. None of these piyutim are quoted in the Medrash. None of these piyutim are quoted in the Zoyar. So I don't know. Because if it is indeed the case that Elazar Akalir is a Tana, then we would think that some of these people would be quoted here. And so therefore he says, I'm not so sure that indeed Elazar Akalir is a Tana. And he says, in fact, look at the Mepharshim of the Machzairim, and you'll see they bring different shit to who Elazar Akalir is. This is interesting. What does Rabbi Ram David Lavut mean when he says, look at the Mepharshim of the Machzairim? So I don't, can't say I know for sure, but I think we know what this is. In the year Tafkuf Samach, that's the year 1800, uh, there was a man in Germany who's by the name of Wolf Heidenheim, 
who published a whole bunch of machzorim, and we spoke about him in previous uh, classes. So he published there the machzor, one of his machzorim he published that year. He also included major information about all the people who wrote piyotim, including Allah Zarakalar, and there he brings different arguments of why it's hard to suggest that Abba Allah Zarakalar is a Tana or an Amir, including the fact that none of his piyotim are quoted in uh, these earlier sources, and that the first time we see Gdalius Ro quoting him is the Deshainim, and so therefore he assumes, Wolf Heintenheim assumes, that he must be uh, later. It seems that Shara Kailo, that the Rebbe Zayda, his Zayda Zayda seems to be using it and leaning on it in this particular case, and therefore, so we leave that with an open question about who Elazar Akalir is. Uh, either you date him as a Tana, second century of the Common Era, or you put him a few centuries later. Uh, then where? So it becomes, that becomes scholarly guesswork. Definitely before Tysus, definitely the, the period. Yeah, you're dealing with a 500 year window. A 500 year window. I, I, there was those who thought that maybe, like Heidenheim himself thought that maybe he's a 10th century figure, but no one takes that seriously. Too you, too, way too close. Yeah. Uh, so you're dealing here with someone who is either a Tana in the, sec in the second century or 300 years later, something like that. This is who the Lazar HaKalir is. Now you already have the answer to what all those Shin Mems were doing and were able to explain what happened with the Rishus. Remember who wrote the Rishus for the first day? The Yaresi Bifsoisi. Who wrote that? Rabbi Yukasil. I told you he lived in Spire in the 11th century. All the other Piyotim, it's an entire network. It's not random. It's a network written by who? By one man, Elazar Akala from there. Remember, first he did his Aleph base. Then he did his Tashrak. Then he did his Adbash. Then he told you his name. And he continued writing. This all is one long chain. He didn't do Rishus. He didn't do that. He didn't feel there was a need for it. And none of the Rishusim come from him. So he didn't do it. And that's why that Machzer Taka didn't have the Rishus because he didn't author it. Someone else later said, hey, you need to have a Rishus because later it became normal to have it. And so this Rabbi Yukasil created one that will fit in by making the ending of Chil that we saw, that we Taka saw before. So now comes, one second, so now comes the second day of Rosh Hashanah. And what are you in Germany going to do? So you say, say what you said yesterday. Ah, come on. You don't want to do that. The whole idea of a piyot is embellish. You can embellish by repeating, even though we do some repeating today, but that's another story. Originally, they didn't want to do this repetition. And so, what are you going to do? Someone else needs to step up to the plate. And indeed, there was someone who stepped up in the plate. There's a passage in uh, the Urza Ruah, that's text 8 on your handout, that talks about two G'dayli Yisrael that lived at the exact same time, Rabbeinu Gersh and Moer HaGoyla, you all heard of him, and Reb Shimon HaGadol Ben Reb Yitzchak, you all didn't hear of him. No, I shouldn't say that, that was presumptuous, I'm sorry. You all did hear of him, but less so than Rabbeinu Gersh and Moer HaGoyla. In other words, Rabbeinu Gersh and Moer HaGoyla, we, we say he generally passed away around the year 1040, so the first half of the 11th century is this, Reb Shimon, and he's no, he called here Reb Shimon HaGadol Ben Reb Yitzchak, this is a big man. Guess what? That explains all the Shin Mems. All those Shin Mems were part of a Shin Mem Ayin Vav Nun because he put his name in all these Piyotim. The entire series of the second day is Shimon, including the Shmaim Mefarim. What happens is, and, and this is a Chiddush, that Shmaim Mefarim spills into the first day. It, it doesn't inherently belong there. Shmaim Mefarim, anything that has Shimon's name is for the second day, and it was originally for the second day. The Rebbe writes in Sefer Amin Hagim that he didn't... That really doesn't belong there, but he, was, he, he didn't want to change it because he didn't hear from the Fitikram, and we'll talk about it more. And so that's why we end up having it. And so, now, now what happens is, Reb Shimon did do a Rishos. 
he did do a rishus, and that's why you have Asisi Lechananach, which ends with his name. Asisi Lechananach, Reb Shimon did. And that's what happens here when Yukusil said, hey, we have a beautiful rishus for the second day, we gotta add a rishus for the first day. So he created it. And then in this machzer, they added it in onto the margins of this machzer. And that's the story pretty much of the Piyotan four Shachris, the first day of Rosh Hashanah and the second day of Rosh Hashanah. I believe we answered all the questions that we had. Okay. Now we come to the big question. The big question is, what was the process by which we have this machzer that we're holding in our hands? What was the process? Who created it? Who made it? So some may, people may think, well, it's Nusach Chabad. Nusach Chabad comes from the Alter Rebbe. So all this comes from the Alter Rebbe. Maybe the Alter Rebbe sat down and made all these uh, decisions about how this machzer is going to work. Well, the answer is Nishtazoi. Let's have a look at what the Alter Rebbe actually did. So, when it comes to the Siddur of the Alter Rebbe, it was always known that the Alter Rebbe's Siddur was printed for this first time in the year 1803, Tov Kuf in Shklov. It was also known that already in the time of the Rebbe Hashab, there were very few of these Siddurim that were accessible. The Rebbe Hashab wrote that he's looking for one and he's having a very hard time finding a copy of the Siddur. Eventually, the Rebbe Hashab did get his hands on the Siddur, but as far as we know, that copy is the only one in the world. And so for most of the 20th century, no one had access to that particular copy. And the first printing, if you wanted to know what did the first print of the Alter Rebbe Siddur look like, you didn't have it. We only could rely on printings from after the Alter Rebbe passed away. And so even though you sing something, even though it was published by the middle of the Rebbe, the always question is, yeah, but does that reflect the way it originally was? And that was pretty much the case until very recently. You need to remember, Siddurim are used, and therefore they don't have a very high survival rate. Whereas a Sefer, a Rambam, a Shulchan Aruch is used less, and so therefore these survive. So there are many Sidurim who we know were printed, and there's zero copies left. This is very common, and so this happened as well to the Alter Rebbe Siddur. Um, it was assumed that in the Schneerson collection that's in Russia, that the Russian government confis confiscated after World War I, it was assumed that there's a copy of a Siddur there. Some people thought they maybe saw it, but no one uh, had access to it because the Russian government's holding on to it. Until one fine day in the year 2014, the Russians decided to put it online. And that's what you see over here now. On the right-hand side, you see it says Oysef Lubavitch. That's a sticker that was put on recently. In recent years, one of the times that the, the Mishlachas went from New York, they went with these stickers on, on every book that, they, uh, that was part of the collection. They put that sticker. So that's a modern sticker. And on the left-hand side, there's no title page in this Siddur. In the Harbaiz Mitchum, which is why you can't know for sure where it was printed and when. But in the Fidika of his handwriting, it says, Sidr Admar, Kinirat Fushklov. Presumably, this is Fushklov. And the reason we presume it's Fushklov, because you go to the back page, here it has a name of the listing of all the people who worked on this uh, book, and most of them are located in Shklov. Moreover, one of these guys here, this Menachem Nochom Ben Shmuel, there's a book printed a few years later and he writes Hakam for his father. And here he doesn't. So that means his father, and in another one he writes Zal for his father. So here, without Berchas HaMesim for his father, you're able to see it's before the year 1808. And so therefore, and we know it's Shklov, so it stands to reason this indeed is that first Siddur that was printed in the year 1803 uh, in, uh, in Shklov. Let's have a look at what the Alter Rebbe did in the Siddur when it came to Rosh Hashanah and uh, Yom Kippur as well. I should point out here, we only did shachris as a test case. But really, if you follow this rule, the same thing applies for Mosef, with some variations. Obviously, there are differences and important differences. The same thing applies Yom Kippur. The same thing applies for all of these tefillahs. It's pretty much the same uh, principle, so we don't need to run through it for each one of these tefillahs. So 
The Alter Rebbe, after he finishes the Musaf L'Shalash Regalim, he feels the need to give you the Ataras Nadarim. And on the bottom right of the page you have over here, Ataras Nadarim, and the ending of it is on the top left of the page. So that he gives you the Nusach of Ataras Nadarim for Rosh Hashanah. Then he needs to give you the Shemayin Esra for Rosh Hashanah. The Shemayin Esra that you say, Ma'iriv, Shachris, Mincha. So he gives us the Shemayin Esra, and then it concludes, he gives us the Kiddush of Rosh Hashanah, he gives us the Yehiratzin that you say on the apple, and then for Shachris of Rosh Hashanah, what do we get? Remember, Shemana Esther, the still Shemana Esther we already had, because it's the same as Myrid. What do we get for Shachras that's new? You get Avinu Malkeinu. That's what we have. I'm only giving you the first three stanzas, but he produces the whole Avinu Malkeinu, and then after that is Tkiyas. That is it. You want to know what the Alter Rebbe has to say about Shachras? The answer is, I'll give you a still Shemana Esther, and here is Avinu Malkeinu. Okay. We have the Tkiyas presented. What about Musaf? What does Alter Rebbe give us for Musaf? So obviously, he has to give us. The text, the Machia, the Chreinu, Shoifris, the Shtilish Manasra, which we have over here. Okay, but what about Chazaras Hashats for Musaf? Anything? Yes. Yes. There's three things I needed you to know about Chazaras Hashats and Musaf. When the Chazan's doing Koirim, there's a minig from the Rekeach to say Ata Areza. Let me give you that uh, here. Um, by the end of uh, davening, we say, Let me give you that paragraph here. Right before, Let me produce that here, because that's only said in Chazar Sashat, it's not said in the Shtilish Manesre. And Uvesefer Chaim for Musaf, also we add a few psukhm at the end, so I'm going to give that to you over here. And boom, we're holding Tashlich. This is all the Alter Rebbe has to say about Musaf. And by the way, comes to Yom Kippur, he gives you Kaparis, and then Kol Nidre. Before you say Kol Nidre, say this one line, the text of Kol Nidre. By the way, there's different Nuschois, what the right text is. Alter Rebbe has uh, nothing to say on the text of Kol Nidre. He gives us the Shemayin Esrei. Oh, then Shachris, nothing. Shachris and Yom Kippur, the Alter Rebbe does not offer anything. Again, the Shemayin Esrei, the Shtil Shemayin Esrei, obviously. But Chazar Shat Shachris, zero, nothing. Okay? Then we come to Chazar Shat of Mosif, there's the Avoidah. And here, when it comes to the Avoidah, we're doing this serious. And he gives us the whole Avoidah. It starts on this page, Tzadik Dalit, and it ends on the page on the left. And then the Avoidah ends. Sometimes you think Avoidah takes you all the way to the end of Musaf. It's not true. The Avoidah stops, and then you start Slichis. And so, it ends. And then the Alter Rebbe wrote, Remember that field? You'll find it in the Machser. I have nothing more to say. And uh, Mincha and Neila. And this is what's happening here. It goes, no, uh, yeah, the, I don't remember the number of pages exactly, but that's the Avoid. He gives you the entire thing. So now the question is, what? So now the question is, what did the Alter Rebbe want? What was his vision for what was supposed to happen? What do all these emissions mean? I'll give you two uh, possibilities. There are probably more. One possibility is, I don't want you saying any of this. Just like you don't say Yotzeris, and no one bats an eyelash today, you don't say Yotzeris. So don't say any of this. I don't want you to say any Chazaras Hashat should just be Chazaras. That's one option. Another option is that he was like, say, say whatever you want. You should say it. But for that, you have Machzoyrim. I'm not here to do that type of work. And so I'm not engaging in this uh, type of material. So this turns out as the Maise is Nishpashit. What is the truth? So let's see, sources are conflicting on this issue. Um, where do we see this? Well, I'll get to the sheet in a second. Let's fast forward. The reality is, there's no Chabad Machser during the times of the Alter Rebbe. There's no Chabad Machser during the times of the Mittel Rebbe, or the Tzamach Sadek, or the Rebbe Maharash. 
And then, when it comes to the last few years of the Rebbe Rashab, in the year Tofresh Ayin Gimel, 1913, on the eve, right before World War I, we get the following book that is printed, that's on the screen right now, Mea Sha'arim, it's Seder Tefillah L'chal Hashana, this is the davening, you can see the Alter Rebbe is uh, mentioned over here, this is a Siddur of the Alter Rebbe, who publishes a Siddur of the Alter Rebbe? We'll see in a second. It says on the bottom over here, published by Chaim Eliezer Akoyim Bichovsky from Hummel and Chaim Meir, the son Chaim Meir Halman. These are two very well-known figures in the Chabad world. They are not well-known figures in the Lubavitch world, and that's because the two are not the same thing. These are Kapus Tchidim, and these Kapus Tchidim are Chabad, but they're not. Low. After the Tzamech Tzedek passed away, they followed one of the other sons, the Kapus there, and. Uh, they are the ones who print this Siddur, Mea Sha'arim. And you'll notice that on this part of the Machser it says, Vilnilva Elav, a Machser, La Rashashana, Vim Kippurim, Mesudur, Kesedesh, Sha'arim, Hachsidim, that are Mespalo, Nusach Rabbeinu, Akadish, Lamanlo, Yitzdarchu, Ladalig, Menyan, Le'inyan. In other words, what happened from during this era? What was going on in 1912 and 1911? If, if you're them, you have a machzer, and it's like, we say this, no, we don't say this, we move this, this, that, that, to turn the page this way, this way. We're not going to have to do this anymore because we're printing a siddur, and at the end of the siddur, we're also going to be giving you a machzer. And then here's the title, after the siddur, here's the title page of the machzer. And before the machzer begins, they write the following note. Let's read this note, and that's text nine in your handout. Let's read what these men have to say about what they're doing in order to try to understand what happened over here. They're right. It is well known. All those who daven Nusach of the Alter Rebbe, which is known as Nusach Chabad. We do not say long piyutim. We only say a little. They're saying this as a well-known, established fact. The reality is, Chabad Chassidim, what do we do before we even print this book? What, what is the de facto reality on the ground? The reality is we're not saying everything that our neighbors are saying. We cut down. It says an earliest farm is better to say less with Kavana than to say more without Kavana. At least when it comes to Slichas and Piyutim, that is the case. And so therefore, this is what Chabad Chassidim are doing. Okay. Now this is the reality, they say, in the year 1912, 1910, 1905, 19, as far back as they can remember. Is it endorsed by anyone? So they continue. We have a tradition that what we say or what we don't say comes from the Alter Rebbe. Wow. So all of a sudden, what we're hearing over here is Chabad says very little. And by the way, where did this happen? It's a Kabbalah, it's a tradition that traces itself back to the Alter Rebbe himself. That's what they're saying. But then they continue and say, it's been many years, and they hear a lot of people saying, if only we could print what everything, everything that we say, this is a, this is a big problem. Why we, although we have this tradition, everyone knew, do Chabad, we say this, we don't. There's a bilbul, and when you come to davening, it's, it's confusion, it's chaos. So we realize, you know something, we really want to do something. Ach, pay attention to these words. It was hard for us to do it. What does that mean? What does it mean it was hard for us to do it? It's hard to print a book? It's uh, expensive? It can't mean that. Okay. 
but we'll come to the solution in a minute. Then we saw someone did it already. Someone added the nusach of the piyotim that Chabad says into Sidurim. Ah, so then what, so what's the problem? Because Malach don't didn't do a good job. Why? Because they printed in a small font and many things that you're supposed to say, they took out. And many things that you're not supposed to say, they put in. Oh, all of a sudden we notice over here that therefore there's a need for us to step in and to do it right. Larger font and also the right piyutim. What do you learn over here? They said a moment ago, there's a tradition from the Alta Rebbe of what exactly we say. Here we realize, Why? Because there were other people who printed kontresim of Machzarim. We do not, I don't know who these people are. And they added it to a certain sidurim. And they did a similar idea of changing around the Machzar, cutting it down. But their system was not the same that these Chavra did. So in other words, among Chassidim now, we're hearing the idea that there wasn't just one way, this is how we do it. Maybe there's a majority, and maybe they have the majority, I don't know, but there are definitely other ways of doing it, and that's why they say, we need to fix this. Okay, so what was bothering them? Why did they say we couldn't do it, but then when we saw other people doing it wrong, then we said we could do it? I think the beer is, I'm not 100% sure, but I think the beer is, there was a reason this was an oral tradition. Because what Hasidim did to the Machser was a novelty. This was a breakthrough. This was, this was, this was, this was a disruption. You had a kehila in Eastern Europe that while there were variations, more or less they said everything. A little more, a little less, or whatever. There was a, and, and, and that was why the Valtash people came to Chassidim, and now the Chassidim have this traditional attack of saying less. Now we're going to print it in a book? You know what the Masnagdim are going to say about this? We had enough tzadahs about the Shinoi Nusach Now we're going to do this also? I think that's why they said they didn't want to touch this. But once it was already done, and they saw there wasn't a Vayitz Aku, and no one said anything, and no one cared. It's not, 18, it's not 1798 anymore. It's 1913. And they saw nothing happened. So they said, you know something, we'll do it. But that they did it wrong. I think that's the pshat over here of why, of what happened. Okay. Then they go on to say that... Um, uh, that there's another genre, and that is there are people who did the opposite. They printed the regular traditional machzer with all the piyotim there, but and the tfilis they made nusachari. That's in other words, earlier what they were talking about is someone who made just cut down piyotim for chabad, and they said they did a bad job because they chose the wrong piyotim. Now they go on to say there's another genre of people trying to accommodate our market, and that is they say, you daven nusachari, good. Let me give you all the Ashkenazi piyotim with a nusachari uh, davening. And that's what you have here as an example of this published in 1906. It says, according to the nusachari. What's the nusachari here? Just the davening. The Baruch Sha'amar is nusachari. But when you come to the piyotim, we're not going to go through it right now, you'll see that it's basically the typical Ashkenazi piyotim that were going on. They say, oh, that's also not good. That doesn't work out. And especially they messed up, in, like in Yishtabach and in Vayavarach David, they didn't follow exactly the Alter Rebbe's and so therefore they have a mandate and they publish their, uh, their Machser. What does it look like? This. Now, if this looks familiar to you, there's a good reason for that. And that's because eventually this actually becomes the Chabad Machser that's published in America is literally photocopied from this master that they published in Tafresh Ayin Gimel on how that happened, we'll talk about later. But that's what this is. This is, the, uh, the, this is their uh, Chabad master. Okay, if we stop here with this information, what do we have? We have a claim that the Alter Rebbe endorsed a certain Nusach, 
and that they have it, and they're fin finally publishing it in the year uh, 1913. Though we were also, if we read well enough, we were able to see, number one, there's a certain fear about actually publishing it and making it official. It's one thing that's Balpeh, but official. And we also saw there was actually dissent. Not everyone agreed about what Chassidim do say and uh, don't say. Okay, now the question is, uh, we need to look at more voices because we need to add more voices to this question of what did the Alter Rebbe want? So far, what we have from them is the Alter Rebbe wanted you to be saying piyutim and pretty much the exact ones that we're saying uh, today. And let's go back to Rebbe Avram David Lavut. Rebbe Avram David Lavut, the Rebbe's grandfather's grandfather, he pretty much held the same opinion. He writes that the Alter Rebbe, this is number 10 in your handout, he writes that the Alter Rebbe didn't bring all of the slichis, pizmainim, and piyutim because he had nothing new to say about them. And if he had nothing new to say about them, he said, if you want to say them, follow your minig and you'll find it in another book. And then he says a very important line, unlike those who are mistaken and say, that whatever is not in the Siddur you shouldn't say. What do we hear? Rabbi Avram David Lavot writing in the late 1800s is saying, there are people who are mistaken. Okay, he's saying they're mistaken, but let's listen to what they're saying. They say the other thing. The Alter Rebbe doesn't have any of this in the Siddur. It means the Alter Rebbe doesn't want you saying it at all. He disagrees. He says they're wrong. The Alter Rebbe just didn't bring it because you don't need him for that. You go to the Machser. What's his Raya? He says the Raya is Ka'oyal nimtach. Go back here. Go back here. The Alter Rebbe wrote In other words, the Alter Rebbe is sending you to the Machser. Clearly he wants you, uh, that you should be saying those piyotim, and that's the evidence uh, that he brings. In another place, in Shara Koilo, he adds another, why is this the only place the Alter Rebbe tells you to say Koilo? Why didn't he tell you to say other stuff? Why is this the only one? So he explains, this is very simple. The Alter Rebbe brought the Avoida. Why the Alter Rebbe bring the whole Avoida? Because there's, there's the Ashkenazi Avoida, and there's the Sfardi Avoida. And although... Almost all of our machzer is the Ashkenazi machzer. When it came to the Avoida, the Alter Rebbe wanted that we should say the Svardi Avoida, which begins with Ato Kananto. It was not written by Rebbe Lazar Akal, it was written by someone else. And the Ashkenazim, they have, a, they have their own Avoida. So therefore the Alter Rebbe felt that he has to write out the whole thing because this is really important and he wants you to say the Rhinosuch, so he wrote the whole thing out. So now you're going to think, oh, I'm in the Svardi Machser. Let me continue with the Svardi Machser. So the Alter Rebbe has to come and tell you, hey, back to the Ashkenazim. That's how Rebbe Avram David Lavut learns it. That's the Ashkenazi peel. That's what we're saying. Yes, we, we had a little bit of a honeymoon with the Svardim over here for five pages, but it's over, and now we're going back to the Ashkenazim. And that's why only here he says it. But really, if you ask Rebbe Avram David Lavut, the Shara Koilo, you owe, the Alter Rebbe wants you to say all of these piyutim. So now we have two voices. We have the Kapas Tichsidim saying, the Alter Rebbe wanted the piyutim. We have that from the Kapas Tichsidim. And that the tradition that we have comes from him, it's endorsed by him. And we have Rabbi Avram David Lavot, a very important Pesach saying that uh, the Alter Rebbe wanted this and brings this evidence from the words, So it sounds like it's a slam dunk, right? This is now, it's pretty much, it's, it's an open and shut case. Well, it's not. And that is, because when we look at the Rebbeim, we see a whole other story over here. And without going too much into the details, I'll summarize as follows. There is Eidos about the middle Rebbe, there is Eidos about the Tzamach Tzedek, and there is Eidos about the Rebbe Rashab, that all three of these Rebbeim, at least the Eidos is all on Yom Kippur, 
did not say the slichis that's after the avoida, and sometimes it says the piyutim. So, for example, in Teda Shalom, if you look at number 12, it's talking about the, uh, the Samach Sadak over there, and it says, Yem Kippur, Lohigit Shum Piyut. I know it's only Yem Kippur, but for me to say that only Yom Kippur and it doesn't apply to Rosh Hashanah, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. So I think it's referring to Rosh Hashanah as well. That's the Eidos about the Samach And uh, the Mittal Rebbe is said in uh, Maisa that he said to Hillim, this is reported in the Shemaz Zvarim by Rabbi Chitrik, uh, volume 1, page Kus Samach and, and we see over there that also the Rebbe Rashab, same thing. In the Rebbe's Rishimis, in the year Tafari Sadakeh, he writes that he heard from the Fidik Rebbe that the Rebbe Rashab was still doing koirim, that we do vakoyanim, he was still doing koirim, and the whole kila finished the slichas already. So all that material uh, wasn't being said. And in fact, we have from the Rebbe as well, and you may Bereshis, it says at the very first year in Tafshin Yud Aleph, when the Shliach Tzibar and Yom Kippur was saying the piyutim, the Rebbe busied himself with saying Tehillim. Interestingly, and I don't have an explanation for this, in the Rebbe's Rishimis, the Rebbe quotes many, brings many menhagim of the Rebbe, what he did on Yom Tif. Many menhagim about Rosh Hashanah, many, many menhagim. Not one word about what the Fitik Rebbe did about the Piyutim. Uh, whether he said it, whether he didn't say it, I don't know, to me that's very bizarre that the Rebbe commented about so many things and about the Piyutim of Rosh Hashanah, about the Fitik Rebbe and Yom Kippur, that we have nothing. But all of a sudden, we have all of these instances where the Rebbeim themselves are not saying Piyutim. That's what the, so now all of a sudden, we start leaning in the other direction. But it gets more. Because Rabbi Avram David Lavot gave his Sefer to the Rebbe Rashab to review. The Rebbe Rashab was a young man at the time. It was in 1887, and the Rebbe Rashab sent him back a letter, and this is printed in Igris Kedush of the Rebbe Rashab, volume 1, pages 17 and 18. And he basically said, I disagree with what you write about the Slichis and the Piyutim and the Pizmonim, because I heard from a reliable person whose name is Rabbi Yamin Chaim of Leadi. He was seven when the Alter Rebbe passed away, but either, so maybe he's not old enough to remember the Alter Rebbe, but he knows for sure that in the Alter Rebbe Shul, they didn't say Slichis on a Taina Sibur, and they didn't even say Ovinu Malkeinu in the Taina Sibur, which is not what we're doing today. Today it's common for Chabad, Rebbe Rashab means to say, today in the 1880s it's common for Chabad to say Slichis on Taina It's common for Chabad to say the Ovinu Malkeinu Aruch on Taina Well, guess what? This was not what was happening uh, then at that time. He doesn't go further to say it about Piyutim, but I think we get the drift. Where the Alter Rebbe, because he's disagreeing with what Rabbi Avram David Lavut wrote as a general statement about Slichis Piyutim and and the Lashon is in the letter. This, the Pizmoinim, he didn't bring in the Siddur. We don't say it. And then there's a letter from Rabbi Yanko Landau, who was by the Rebbe Rashab, and he wrote to the Rebbe his Zichreinus. And in one of these letters, he writes that the Rebbe Rashab told him that Rabbi Avram David Lavut said that because it says, that means you should say Machser. Is that right? Is that a no, I disagree with him. That's not a raya. And he didn't explain why it is. In it's a very strong raya that he's sending you to the machzer. But nonetheless, the Rebbe Rashab said that he does not agree with this. So all of a sudden, we realize we have a much more complicated picture. Let me try to tell you how I understand it. And with this, we'll wrap it up. What happened by the Alter Rebbe? What happened by the Alter Rebbe is not entirely clear. Not entirely clear. But it does seem that throughout the history of Chabad, there were more than one voice on this issue. There were those, it seems that Abayim, and others as well, who said, you don't need to say machzer. You're not supposed to say machzer. This is reflected in the Shara Koilo, who he calls them toyim. You're not supposed to say machzer. And the Abayim, we talk to see. 
But what were the Rebbeim doing? This is really important. The Rebbeim were saying Tehillim. They were being Mairich in their Tefillah. It wasn't a question of Piyotim versus Tennis. It was a question of Piyotim versus being Mairich B'Tefillah, Piyotim versus Tilim and the like. And that's going to be an important point that we're going to come back to in a second. So one voice was the voice of, the, of, of those who were skeptical about Piyotim. That's one Kav. The Rebbeim seemed to be there. Did they push it? Did they advocate it? Did they teach it? No, Lavdafke. In fact, we don't have any evidence that they did. But there was that voice, and it wasn't only the Rebbeim, because the Shah Kelo says that there are others who think that way as well. So that's one school. Then you had another school said, no, we're supposed to do some. We're supposed to do some. And this tradition evolved and developed of the sum that they published in the year 1913. To say that it came endorsed from the Alter Rebbe is schwer, based on everything that we're hearing from the Rebbe Rashab, is schwer to say that. So Lav Dafke, that actually occurred, that the Alter Rebbe endorsed it. But the reality is that there were Chabad Chassidim throughout the 19th century who said, yes, we should be doing some, but within that, I showed you, it wasn't one voice. Because there were other people who published, and they published a little different. The common denominator is we don't say everything, we need to reduce. That was pretty much the three uh, views uh, uh, that uh, existed. And within Lubavitchers, you had, uh, you had this uh, as well. Now what's going to change? What's going to change? Hold on. Here we have to get to this part of the story. What's going to change is in the, summer, in the year 1941. In the year 1941, the Rebbe is printing a new Siddur. And when he's printing a new Siddur, he's also printing a Machser. This is the first time that Chabad Lubavitch is printing a machzer. Chabad Lubavitch had never printed a machzer till then, as you see in the whole story that we're relating here tonight. Now, we have actually records of the Rebbe's process here. He had a whole bunch of questions about the Siddur and the machzer. He listed them on a paper, and he went to the Fidik Rebbe and asked them and wrote the response. And those cards with the question and the response were published a few years ago in this book, in the Sefer. It's called Hagoyis the Siddur Torah Ur. And basically what you're able to see is... The question is, Seydar HaMachzer, what should it be? And then he went to the Fidik Rebbe and he heard it, the answer. And here is the important answer. Bechlal, generally, Here's where the Fidik Rebbe said, we're going with the Kapas Machzer, and we're basically going to go like that. Levad, except there's a few changes in Musaf, not much. A few changes that were made, and what happened was in Tavshan Aleph, a few changes. The next printing, the Rebbe introduced a few more changes, and over the years there were a few slight changes that were introduced as Machser, but more or less, the Chabad Machser published in the 40s, 50s, and thereafter is pretty much this, based on what? Based on the Ayra of the Fidik Rebbe. And so therefore, for us, what is this Machser? Essentially, we can say, is that there was a tradition, an oral tradition, we need to cut down on Piyotim. Not all the Bavishers were on board, including the Rebbeim, at least for themselves, and at least for some weren't on board, but there was this type of Machser. But came 1941, the Fidik Rebbe made the decision and said, we should do this, we are going to do this, and we're now going to codify this tradition, and this is going to be something that we're going to do. One possible reason explanation is because, are people really going to be saying Tehillim instead? Are people really going to be Ma'erich B'Tvila? No, probably not. And so if not, then since this is so standard Am Yisrael, and there is this tradition on Chassidim doing it, so this is perhaps something that we should be doing. And that's a very interesting story, because if you, if you have the way the Rebbe Rashab is saying it, where the Alter Rebbe doesn't put it in his Siddur, and means we shouldn't be saying this, and Alter Rebbe had this certain vision for what a Rosh Hashanah was supposed to look like, what a Yom Kippur was supposed to look like, so intense, so deep with Tehillim and, and Bimarech Betfil and all that, which wouldn't have left a place for these types of Piyotim, but ultimately, that's not the voice that won. It seems that Chassidim weren't really willing to accept that. And they 
said, we want to do some, but not all. And that was a compromise. And that was a compromise that existed orally. It wasn't official. It becomes official in 1913 with Kaplist. It becomes official uh, for Chabad Lubavitch in 1941, which is what we have today. So my concluding statement for all this is, I, get, I think what I did here is give you a framework. Now I think we have a little bit of an understanding of what's happening in the machzer. And when you have the understanding of the framework, all of a sudden, if you look at a keta, and you say, now I want to understand the Pirish Amilis, it's all that meaningful. Because if you don't know what's going on, and you look at the Pirish Amilis, you're like, okay, so I know what those lines mean. But now you are empowered to know what those lines mean in a context of what these Paitanim were trying to do, and I think that can make for a much more meaningful Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Aksivah Aksimah Teva, Rosh Hashanah Teva Mesukah.